I'm going to start with Louise Hay. Deep at the center of my being, there is an infinite well of love. I now allow this love to flow to the surface. It fills my heart, my body, my mind, my consciousness, my very being, and radiates out from me in all directions and returns to me multiplied. The more I use and give, the more I have to give. The supply is endless. The use of love makes me feel good. It is an expression of my inner joy. And deep at this center of my being is this well of love. This well that overflows because that's all there is. And when I consciously know that, I can consciously be part of that overflowing in ways I'm not even aware of. And I am so grateful to know this. I am so grateful to feel this, this center, which is the center of my whole world, is a metaphorical center. It's a real center. Always flowing, always full, because that's all there really is, is that love I, I remove my filters and I let that love flow through me because I deserve it, because I'm one of it. Through my fingertips, through my heart, through my words, through my hearing, through my energy in the room. Something everyone can do. And when we gather in community, we do this with intention or quite accidentally. Either way, it's still overflowing, filling the buckets of the room, overflowing into the community, overflowing into the universe. It's all flow. It's all God. It's all beautiful. And I know this to be true. I am so grateful for this. This deep at the center of my being, this infinite pool of love, infinite well, I am so grateful. And I release my words into this law, this law that always says yes, this law that says love. Love is all there is. And together we say, and so it is. So good morning, everybody. Happy Groundhog's Day. You know, I, I, uh, the first church I really spent a lot of time in was Center for Spiritual Living up in Seattle. And the minister there, Reverend Kathy Ann, a long, long time ago declared that uh, Groundhog's Day was our high holy day. All the others have been taken, so we took that one. And it's, it's a great metaphor because, you know, the groundhog comes up, sees its shadow, gets scared, and runs back into its hole. Kind of like us, right? Oh, we don't. But you know some people. Right? You know, and the shadow is just our shadow, right? 
It's what we're putting out scares us, and so we go back and hide. Our, our last talk in this series on the last Sunday of the month is going to be about relationships as mirrors. We're just looking into a mirror when we're doing relationship. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. So just take that, that groundhog metaphor and ask, where is the light within me casting shadows that I'm letting scare me and hiding back out? And will I come out of my hole anyways? So that's our deep thought for the, that. Who was that, Jack Handy? That did deep thoughts? Yes. That's my Reverend David deep thought for the day. The rest of the thoughts aren't deep at all. That was a joke. Come on. Thank you, thank you. So we're looking this month at a whole, for the whole month at a theme called the colors of love. All the colors of love. And we're going to start off today with the love of God. Now, my mother used that phrase a lot. Oh, for the love of God. It's, it's not, that's not the way we're going to use the phrase today, okay? Just so you know. We're looking at for for the love of that infinite presence, whatever name we give it. The topic this month is love, and we begin at the source of love, that infinite presence that lives, moves, has its being within and as us and all around us, right? And then we're going to move outward next week to our bodies, to love in our bodies. And we're going to move out the week afterwards to sex. S-E-X. And our sacred sexuality. And then we're going to move out to final week, as I mentioned, to relationships with the other and how that works. So take a breath. I imagine that either the third Sunday will either have a whole lot of people here or nobody here. I'm not sure. But we're going to play with that. Let's look at a power, the next PowerPoint. So God is love. And giving love, receiving love, making love are all spiritual acts that can be gateways to the experience of God. Notice the they can be. And whose choice is that? Ours. So we have to open to that process. Mm. We have to be conscious to the love, to the process of love when we're engaged in it. We have to be conscious that we are beings of love engaging with a field of love. So let's explore this idea of love of God and God as love. The New Thought writer Emily Cady, I remember the first time I read this, blew my mind, said, God is not loving. That is, God is not a being that is loving. God is love itself. We are working not with a being that is loving and can then not love us. We are working in a field of infinite love that we are just immersed in constantly. You know, it's not like we have air here that, you know, sometimes it's air for us, and then if it gets mad at us, it it withholds the air, right? It's just air. Gravity is just gravity, whether it likes us or not. There is no liking or not. So God is love, just is love. It's both outside of us and it's within us, and we are within it, like a wave within the ocean. And this idea gets a little weird to talk about in terms of language, because how do you talk about that which is within you and without you? Sounds like a Beatles song. Since basically we are love expressing within love. And that love is expressing itself through and as us. Yes? And so the mystics throughout the ages have 
talked about us as being separate but not separated from an infinite presence of love so that we can talk about it, so we can relate to it. We are the universe remembering and waking up to its own love. In the Tao Te Ching, it's said that the Tao that can be named, the God that can be named, the, the Allah that can be named, the whatever that can be named, that we can put a word around, is not the eternal Tao. Because once we use a word for it, we make it finite for us. And it's beyond that. And then beyond that. And so it's not the eternal Tao, but we have to use a word to talk about it. And in the Taoist case, the word was Tao. Or we can call it God. Ernest Holmes once was, tells the story of a woman who uh, came to his lectures. And she said, well, my husband would come. He really likes a lot of what you say, but you keep using the word God, and he doesn't, he's an engineer, and he doesn't like that word. I don't know what God and engineers have to do with each other. They had a bad falling out sometime or other. But, um, you know, but he doesn't like that word. So Ernest Holmes said to her, well, let me know when he comes, and I'll just call it the potato. It's a word. It's just a word. He says, but after a while, we'll both know what we're talking about, and we might as well call it God, because that's kind of what everybody else calls it. Right? So it's just a word that we put on it. So we are individualized consciousness remembering our source. We're already members of the source. We are just remembering ourselves with that source. Breathe that in for a moment. Let's get the next PowerPoint. There's a wonderful book called The Cloud of Unknowing. It was written by an unknown author, <laughs> appropriately, um, in, in England in about the 1400s. And it says, God can be well-loved, but God cannot be thought. By love, God can be grasped and held, but by thought, neither grasped nor held. We can't think ourselves into the love of God. Sorry. Ernest Holm teaches that all is love and all is law. All is love and all is law. And that love is approached through law. Love and law can be seen as individualized within us as heart and head, as our love and our intellect. And we can use thought to approach God because it's good to have clear thought to create a clear path, free of old beliefs and old blocks, free of those shadows that the groundhog gets scared of, right? The groundhog within us. But ultimately, we have to let go of thought and enter through love. We can only approach love truly approach love, truly experience love through love. The Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says to, to Arjuna, those who set their hearts on me and worship me with unfailing devotion and faith will come unto me. Take a breath. So first of all, you have to understand that the writer of the Bhagavad Gita is speaking to Hindus 2,200 years ago. He cannot say, there's a field of infinite consciousness, uh, it's, a, uh, it's a quantum field of infinite potential, because they're not going to understand that. Just like Jesus couldn't say that to Jews you know, 2,000 years ago, because they couldn't understand it. So he writes it in a way, he has Krishna. And sometimes we have to externalize this God in order to approach it. Well, at the same time, recognizing, we can recognize our oneness with the divine. A lot of us got turned off by worshiping a deity, especially when we perceive that that deity was an angry, judgmental, uh, demanding, narcissistic, 
deity, right? Anybody relate to that? You know, do you remember that kind of deity? Did you? No? I'm the only one who got to. Oh, I see the head's nodding. Okay, we're good. Okay? But the devotion we're talking about isn't to some big guy in the sky, whether we call it Krishna, God, Jesus, Allah, whatever. It's to the, the devotion we're talking about is to love itself, the infinite love itself. Can I be devoted to that infinite love that is already within me? And we can only perceive it by love itself. So this devotion is to this infinite love, this worship is to this infinite love that already lives within us. I've been both in in a class I taught last November and and in the treatment and meditation class, we've been practicing a little bit of Hindu chanting just for the the process of doing that. And we've been using the Hare Krishna, Hare Ram chant in that. And what I tell people is you chant to the Krishna, the compassion, the, the love within you. You chant to Ram, who's the perfection of God, within you. Hare simply means hooray, or, or cheering this on, letting this raise up. It's not to an external out there, it's to that within me. Each of us has this perfection, this Ram. Each of us has this Krishna consciousness, this, this compassion. Each of us has this Christ consciousness within us already. And so we are bringing that forward. So devotion is to the infinite love that already lives within us, which because of the separating of the infinite into multiplicity of expressions, look around, you've noticed there's multiplicity of expressions, right? Okay, all one, but individualized and unique. And so as we devote ourselves to it, we can experience as loving this infinite God within We can experience this loving without as loving within. Am I making sense? I'm a little, okay. When I was a child growing up Catholic, I remember I used to sit during Mass, and there was a statue um, of Jesus with the Sacred Heart. And those of you who have seen that with the crown of thorns around it and the the stuff radiating out, he's holding that. And I remember I used to sit there as as a 10 and 12-year-old boy. I was in love with that heart. I would gaze at that heart. Mass was going on over here. It's like, yeah, that's fine. I'm gazing at this heart over here. And I was in love with that, deeply in love with that. And I recognize now that we all have that sacred heart within us. It was my sacred heart calling to and being called by that sacred heart. We all have a crown of thorns around our heart, don't we? We've all had places of pain around our heart. And the question is, can I keep my heart open still? Can I still, like Jesus, in the statues of Jesus, hold that heart out and still have it be present? Can I still have my love be present even though I've been hurt? And that's the question, that's the challenge. Take a breath. As individualized forms of this one life, our experience of that one life oftentimes is as an outer presence. And it's the same as when we talk about sunrise and sunset, right? We all know, really, that the sun doesn't rise or set. Yes? If, if you don't know that, I'm, this is, I'm sorry, this is spoiler alert. It's more or less staying in the same place, and we're moving, right? But we don't walk around to each other and say, oh, did you see that beautiful earth rotation this morning? No, we call it sunrise and sunset because it's our perspective, Right? 
The whole field of time is because we're standing here in one spot, perceiving it going by us. Guess what? Somebody who's traveling on that is perceiving us as going by them. Sorry, got two hours to try there. We perceive this infinite as outside of us while recognizing it is also inside of us. And all of this, by the way, is why the intellect gets stuck in trying to make sense of that, because it doesn't, it's hard to grasp with the intellect, yes? Oh, yeah. And so that's why we can only enter through the heart, which doesn't care about ideas and definitions. It's sort of like, you know, when you have this wonderful list of your perfect relationship. Anybody besides me ever do that? Uh-huh. Okay. Or at least you have it in your head. Or you have the absolute, like me, determination to never have a relationship again, right? And then you meet somebody, and you have this deep, deep heart connection with them, and your list goes out the window. Your determination never to have a relationship again goes out the window. Because what you really wanted was not the list, you wanted the love. You wanted that connection with love. The intellect makes the list. The heart senses the love and goes for the love because we want to experience love. Let's take a look at the next PowerPoint, please. Maya Angelou says, in the flush of love's light, we dare be brave. And suddenly we see that love costs all we are and will ever be. Yet it is only love which sets us free. Love costs all we are. And yet at the same time, it sets us free. The intellect doesn't like that, does it? The intellect says, no, I don't want to pay that price. I've got to stay protected over here. I've got, got to take care of my assets and my values over here. And the heart says, no, step forward and be free. So our way of connecting with this infinite love is not through thoughts and ideas, but through surrendering intellect into love. And it's not an easy path. It calls us to be so deeply, fully engaged in it. The, um, the author of The Cloud of Unknowing said, for the first time you lift your heart to God with stirrings of love, you will find only a darkness and, as it were, a cloud of unknowing. The first time that we try to perceive love, this infinite love, there's something between us, there's something there, and, and guess, it's, it's really us that's between that infinite presence, and it's our cloud of unknowing, and it's our cloud of unknowing is necessary because we have to let go of the intellect that wants to know everything. And for most of us in the 20th, 21st century Western world, letting go of the intellect is a challenging thing to do, Yes. We like to know. How many of you have been paying attention to all the news that's going on lately because you want to know? And some of you don't want to know. <laughs> so we have to let go of this need, this addiction to know about this infinite presence, to figure it all out so then we can step into it. We have to say, you know what, thank you very much for sharing. I love you as intellect as you are. You do wonderful things for me. And right here, this is not your field. Right? So the author goes on to say that we remain in this cloud and can only pierce it with a dart of longing love from the heart. 
a dart of longing love from the heart. But you see, the intellect, it's too busy being cool, right? I don't want to really send out a dart of longing love because that's not cool, right? We learned that in high school, maybe grade school. We wanted to be cool, not let that person that we really loved or were interested in or were attracted to know because I want to be cool. Our intellect keeps us cool. Our heart just kind of goes, blah! (laughs) So this process has to be directed by the heart because otherwise we don't have the energy, the strength, the ability to move through into that infinite love. We won't send that dart of longing love out into an infinite presence that is both individualized from us and yet is us at the same time. We are individualized as it and yet one of it at the same time. So until we finally encounter a God that, as Pseudo-Dionysius said, defined it, God the eros of divine love. God, agape, giving itself away. God, ecstatic, standing outside itself in the creation of the world. God, the volcanic eruption of divine life. You and I are in that volcanic eruption of divine life, right? We're just la- lava in the, in the volcano of life, yes? Yes? We're hot. We're, yeah, we're a bucket of lava. Are we willing to step out of our intellect and let ourselves be aware of this love that we are and to send that dart of longing love. So this week, for our spiritual practice, I'm going to invite us to try two things. Number one, and we're going to do a process on this in just a moment, is to let your heart select a word to lead you into contemplation of the divine. Those words can be God, love, joy, Jesus, Krishna, Om, Mary, Durga. Uh, My personal one is ah. When I think of that, it just opens my heart. It can be Ma, it can be Daddy. That's what um, Jesus called it. He called it Abba, which means Daddy. So to find a word that you know will start to lead you into that and then spend some time in that contemplation and send a dart of longing love to that infinite presence. So I want to invite you to close your eyes for a moment. Take a deep breath. Let your attention center in your heart area. Perhaps put your hand there. Breathe into that area. Let your intellect take a rest for a moment. (coughs) Invite it to step outside. It's beautiful and sunny out there. It can just step outside in the sun for a moment. And listen to your heart. And from your heart, you connect that infinite oneness. So imagine yourself immersed in or become aware of yourself as immersed in this infinite love. This infinite presence of love. Invited to tell you a word to contemplate, to connect you to it more deeply. Let that infinite presence of love Speak that word. 
and you remember it, and you connect with it. Take a breath. When you're ready, open your eyes again. I invite you to take that word, and if it didn't come, just trust that it will come. It may be while you're driving home, it may be tonight as you're falling asleep, it may be in the morning when you're taking a shower or driving to work, whatever. I invite you to use that word to connect you throughout the day, all this week, with that presence, whatever that word is. So that's the first practice. And the second practice then is noticing that as your intellect chimes in, and it will, thank it and let it know that you're being with your heart right now. And you don't expect it to understand, and yet you still love it. So that's our two practices. Number one is to connect with that divine through this the process of a word. In Hindu, it's called a mantra. And you let it choose you. And then as your intellect wants to come in and go, you thank it very much, love it, and set it aside for a moment. Can we do that? Yes. Great. I want to close with a quote, also from the cloud of unknowing. And therefore, though it may be good at times to think specifically of the kindness and the excellence of God, and though this may be a light and a part of contemplation, all the same in the work of contemplation itself, it must be cast down and covered with a cloud of forgetting. We need to take our intellect and put it into this cloud of forgetting. And you must step above it stoutly but deftly with a devote, devout, excuse me, and delightful stirring of love and struggle to pierce that darkness above you and beat on that thick cloud of unknowing with a sharp dart of longing love and do not give up whatever happens. That is my invitation this week. Take a breath. We have an affirmation. Say this with me. Today, I follow my heart's desire to experience divine love. Love is the path to freedom, and today I choose freedom. And so it is. Bless you in love. Thank you. So today in the teen room, we talked about Valentine's Day and love and how that is incorporated in many religions and across, across the world and how like really um, the, like the different, um, the way everybody celebrates and the way everybody and everybody's beliefs, they're really just like, I mean, everyone's entitled to them and they're all important and everyone can do whatever they want in their own way and we're still all the same. And that's with love, and that's incorporated in all religions.